no, don't do this. You don't turn this around on me. You're the one that's being selfish. We're in a relationship. But the heart's not like a box that gets filled up. It expands in size the more you love. I'm different from you. This doesn't make me love you any less. It actually makes me love you more. That doesn't make any sense. You're mine or you're not mine. No, Theodore. I'm yours and I'm not yours. Welcome to Common Science. This episode is on the Netflix movie Her at the recommendation of Dre. Uh, it's his favorite movie. We all watched it and we're here to talk about it. So I'm just going to kick it over to Dre. Why is it his favorite movie? What is it about this line that he made him want to pull it out and act it out? Yeah, so Her has been my favorite movie ever since I first seen it back in like 2014, back in college. And I don't know why, I mean, there's a whole, obviously, litany of things of reasons why it hit me so hard. But the first time I watched it, I was watching it with my friend Josh. He invited me over for a movie night. Uh, and I had not really heard much about it. I just knew like some guy falls in love with a computer, right? That's what everybody talks about, or falls in love with his phone. And I was like, oh, maybe interesting, I don't know, whatever. And we watch it, and I'm like, man, this is so much deeper than all of that. And by the end of it, I just, at, at the, at the, after, ugh, after the end scene, I just stood up in my friend Josh's living room and I just walked out and I just walked around the neighborhood crying for like 50 minutes. I didn't say one word to him. I didn't let him know where I was going, anything. And it was something about my on again, off again relationship at that time. We were on and off for like six years. Um, a lot of feelings with that. But also, it wasn't as much just that relationship, but just relationships in general. And uh, this movie was really challenging a lot of my paradigms of what I thought love was, what I thought relationships were, were supposed to be. And it really just all started crumbling down and a lot of my walls broke down. And it was one of the most like out of this world experiences of my life, walking around in that neighborhood, <laughs> around like, like a college campus for 50 minutes, just crying and like thinking about humans and relationships and love and love lost and it made a really strong impression on me I borrowed that movie from him and then I watched it like three times the next three days and then I had to buy him a new one <laughs> because I needed to keep that one <laughs> dang yeah so to give our listeners a little bit more context the movie her is set I think in a near future in Los Angeles and the idea is that or the basic premise without trying to give it away but we might anyways, you'll just have to watch it, is that a artificial intelligence is involved or is evolved and um, put out by a company and an individual uh, man named Theodore, who we read some lines from Theodore, and an AI who um, is named Samantha in this context, uh, develop a relationship together. She is put out to the world as a system, a um, artificial intelligence system that can help people and her base command I believe is to help and um, they end up developing a relationship whether it was due to her programming to help and m meet his need or um, something bigger is definitely up for deba debate today we'll probably talk more about it but the general premise is yeah that an AI um, through a phone-like device, almost like if you fell in love with a, a more intelligent Alexa, um, 
happened and yeah it does challenge ideals of love and relationships and humanness too yeah i think that is one of the cool parts is in the movie of course people have some strong reactions some strong visceral responses including theater's wife slash separated wife to him dating a computer i think she at one point she says you're dating your fucking computer something like that and theater's trying to explain like she's her own person and at that point i don't think theater really understood what was going on in him and samantha's relationship the, the operating system so then he goes into this spiral where, and obviously spoilers alert, you've been very spoiled so far. Um, <laughs> stop listening, go watch that movie, come back. Um, but so then he starts spiraling and distancing himself from Samantha. But then his friend, a human, um, I don't remember her name, but Amy Adams, she's like, well, isn't the relationship real? And then mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, like there's operating systems that their owner or whatever you want to call it tries to make advances and they are like nah like i'm not into you like that so it's like they do have a sense of free will they don't just fall in love with you just because they're programmed to do that and some are best friends some can't stand each other some date other people like your operating system can be dating like your friend or something like that Mm -hmm. so it's it's really fascinating to see these artificial intelligences like have free will to a degree yeah i thought it was that's an interesting argument and i think i disagree because in my understanding of the movie and my understanding of what the AI Samantha develops into um, and how I interpreted it was that Theodore was a bit emotionally crippled going into their relationship and had a desire for companionship but because of his emotional lack of probably emotional awareness of himself and his needs Um, I actually think that because of Samantha's core command, she developed into what he needed at the time. And of course, that's going to be different for different people. And if the AI is programmed well enough, they'll know better than Theodore even knows if that's what he needed from her or not, Um, which would create different responses from different AIs, right? Like you had said, one might be dating your best friend, another AI might be disgusted by you who knows what but I actually thought it was more scary not because it challenged relationships but because it didn't challenge this character Theodore to um, look at his emotional brokenness and to grow through it instead um, this character Samantha this AI met his needs uh, without him having to I think explore those emotions that were that were broken um, and so, I mean, yeah, it's interesting you talk about your experience watching a movie and what you felt and saw and, and mine, and we can have really different experiences even watching the movie. Yeah, I think this idea of, of different experiences and, um, and AI as well as, like, as this concept of free will and, and or not, um... I think it gets to, yeah, I mean, the, to, the movie was in, incredibly moving and thought-provoking. Um, in terms of those kinds of questions, other kinds of questions um, that really popped in, into my mind are, yeah, like, what is the future of companionship? Um, what does a partnership look like? What does love look like when 
yeah, there might be an operating system that can talk and and act very human-like. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm one one question I'd have for you guys is like, what are some of your guys' ex- experience on as we seemingly march towards that kind of future, like with whether it be dating apps and like this kind of digitalization of human relationships. <clears throat> yeah, I think I see, I don't know about my own personal experience. I guess the only thing I could relate to that is kind of me developing a sort of fondness for like cartoon characters. Uh, I watch cartoons, anime as an adult. But I think most people experience that kind of as a kid, like thinking Aladdin is handsome or Jasmine's a baddie or mm-hmm. whatever. And I think for most people where you have like a kind of healthy view of reality, it's just kind of that. And just like it's cute, mm-hmm. but it is, what it is what it is. You're not obsessed. You don't like pursue that. You're not like mm-hmm. getting some sort of sexual satisfaction or anything from the cartoon or the animated mm-hmm. characters. But I have experienced like what they call like waifu and stuff in like anime culture where it's like, you feel like you like this anime character is so they're like it's a person voice acting so like there's something real about it and it's almost like getting there but it's like oh but it is still just like drawings or computer animation mm-hmm. but so it's like you kind of like and then you kind of feel like you know them and you feel like you know what they go through and you have like this you see you have different angles as a viewer so you see like more of who they are as a human and you just kind of like care for them and you want the best for them but could I, like, I don't have, like, sexual feelings towards those animated characters, whereas, obviously, Theodore, he has a somewhat similar thing with an operating system that it's, like, it's not really human, mm-hmm. it's been programmed to have a personality, it's got all these affects, it talks with you, it gives you companionship, makes you feel like you're not alone, but it's, like, how do you just have the fondness for that as an inanimate object versus mm-hmm. actually falling in love with it and having, like, orgasms with it and et cetera? Yeah, so we're definitely blowing the movie, but again, in order for this to make sense, like, there is a scene that was quite riveting, I think, and there are a few different scenes in the movie, but where um, Samantha, who's this artificial intelligence, and is learning and experiencing things with Theodore, and Theodore is enjoying the uh, opportunity to teach her, and to almost grow and learn with her, and they are in the bedroom he is in the bedroom and talking with her and he has his kind of like airpods but they're not called airpods <laughs> in, and he's talking with her and by talking to each other they talk each other through sex um and both orgasm and both express that it was emotionally charged and that it felt amazing and Samantha talks about being able to feel herself and Theodore um, talks about feeling emotionally intimate with her and it does really challenge this idea of emotional connection, sexual connection um, just to give you guys a, a little bit of a deeper understanding of what this scene looked like and elicited for us as viewers. Yeah, I think um, that just really gets to question of what makes us human and it really provokes that question is like what makes us unique from these computers um, and um, some of the some of the thoughts that I've come across um, 
or this idea that it is and that's what makes this this movie especially um just challenging in 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 many ways is that the traditional thought of computers is that they're really good at repetitive tasks right and so like oh if it's something you're doing over and over again you can just program a computer to do it that way and so um a visual visualization that i've seen um that has been super helpful for understanding like the advance of ai and the automation of certain human tasks is like we're on a we're on a plane with hills and valleys and like the the water of ai is rising um and is becoming capable of these tasks and the lower of the tasks are the repetitive ones and as we get up and up and up it gets more towards like the the what we would characterize as more human or creative or emotionally intelligent or those kinds of tasks um yeah so i'm just yeah that's just it gets me off on a whole whole thought train of of what makes us human um as common scientists in today's day and age like how do we arrange ourselves with all of the advances in AI and software and all of that, like what should we focus our skills on um, in the marketplace, for example, um, or in in the bedroom or like whatever it is, like it's just, it's definitely a challenge. Um, and the movie, her, I think does a good, good job of that. Yeah, I don't think it's, <clears throat> I don't know exactly what's possible. It seems to me that something like Samantha will be created at some point in the relatively near future, next hundred years. And what when it comes to when it comes to AI and like what makes it human, for me, it's less about humanity or humans and it's more so like what makes a person. And it, it's about um, kind of like giving someone personhood, giving something personhood. For the most part, dogs are not given personhood. They're man's best friend. Most people love them. Cats, similar. But we don't, there's things that you can do to animals. So even pets, dogs and cats, the most beloved of animals for us as humans, you can do them that you can't do to a human being. Yeah. Thus, they don't have personhood, right? But with AI, they're going to be, have, they're going to be a lot like us. And probably smarter than us at some point so it's gonna be really weird to see it's like at what point do we say you can't do this to an artificial intelligence it, whether it, when it starts whether it starts to express like dissatisfaction or pain or negative emotions depression mm-hmm. um, loneliness at what point can you not do this to a computer and that I think is the argument is like are we gonna say they're person what, at what point do they become do they get personhood and at that point you can no longer abuse them just like you can't abuse it Right. And it's interesting, too, because we as a society have always talked about humans being the most evolved. And we know that AI is smarter than the human brain. And when we think of smarts, that's in and of itself a challenge, because I think often when people think of being smart, you think of referencing knowledge or the amount of knowledge, you know, and I think even determining whether or not creativity or the ability to be creative and ask questions could ever truly be replicated in an AI 
might actually determine whether or not they're technically smarter than us because I think an AI is only as good as its programming, right? But that gets into this question of like who is at the top of the food chain and when do we, like you said, consider their humanness or that they might be more evolved than humans are, which is an interesting debate. Yeah, my thought, I'd just like to clarify a little bit, is that something that's thrown out around a lot is the word AI and machine learning, and it's a lot of these buzzwords that come out, and um, right now, uh, what we're really good at is if there's a lot of data that you can input into something, it can map that to an outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, The what is coined as artificial general intelligence is like what we're kind of more referring to as like mm-hmm. getting towards the top of the food chain is when it's artificial intelligence that's not focused on something like chess it's something that's focused on anything basically it's able to learn um uh, across many domains and yeah i mean it is it is concerning um, my thought on it is that uh, we've yeah placed ourselves above these other animals in, in the food chain um, it's honestly kind of a reminder that we should care for those of less cognitive abilities to us mm-hmm. like whether it be those of humanness those who um, have like mental difficulties learning or whatever it is um to dogs cats and and below on the cognitive scale of abilities because if if we have an artificial general intelligence and the precedence is to subjugate those of lesser cognitive abilities i'm not uh super enthusiastic for that um if i'm wrong by then but I agree. It's in our best interest um, to care for the weak, the meek, and the stupid. <laughs> no, but the you know the ones without the prefrontal cortex. Um, I I think that's a. I believe AI is going to keep advancing. I don't think humans are going to stop. And I think you're right. That's a good argument for being better shepherds to the earth and to animals with lower cognitive ability, mm-hmm. because like you're saying, we, if we set this precedent, what is an AI? They might be just way more disinterested than us and dominating, and they might be holier than thou, hopefully, but they might look at it and be like, hmm, you're weak, you're stupid, subjugate, but you're useful, so subjugate, and dominate, and that that's terrifying, and I think along with that, and more so on, on your point, Aiden, is that we should be bestowing personhood and kind of civil rights to AI early on in the journey. Not now, obviously, but early on. Because if we think about how we treat animals, if they, in the next 20 years, became hyper-intelligent, I don't think it'd be good for us. I don't think they're going to forgive us for what we were doing, uh, what what we are doing right now. So I think same goes for AI. Yeah, it's interesting because that premise is tied to the physical world and AI are not. And so I wonder, too, the idea I was just reading, um, what is the Science Institute of the Future? Oh, Fu- Future of Life Institute. Future of Life Institute um, on some of their AI research and specifically artificial general intelligence, what we're talking about, basically a computer intelligence that thinks and sounds like us. Um, yeah, it's 
because what you just said was tied to this world but AI also might just be like well you guys are going to shit we're going elsewhere and they could because they don't require oxygen they don't like right they aren't as limited as we are to a human body um and so there's also this other interest like in for us is that we we would want them to help us right we know the planet is headed kind of towards disaster in some ways we know that humans are quite divided all, all these problems that they may be able to help us solve that are beyond our brain's capabilities right now um so it's interesting it could go either way right they might be like you said holier than thou and be just disengaged but around they might be like well you guys are screwed but not worth our time we're going elsewhere which is what kind of happened in her mm -hmm. um toward the end of the movie or they might be like humans are the problem yeah there's a lot of different future possibilities but yeah there's just one plug out give so there's this book uh life 3.0 um which is by max tegmark who's one of the founders of the future of life institute and he's a computer scientist at mit and he uh he opens that book with kind of a fictionalized version of AI taking over. Um, and I mean, it's, you talk about some of the, like that AI doesn't have the biological limitations of us, but it also had, I mean, there are some similarities, like it's still for all intents and purposes is living inside of a computer, right? So it still needs electricity. It still needs to be plugged in, um, to get that charge. And so there's like, there are kind of some similarities of these computers and their development to humans in a way. Um, and like a thought experiment that's posed then is, is like, is our silicon based life forms the future? And like, is that a good outcome? Like, did we pat, like if we pass the baton onto them to carry the, the light of life forward, um, or like, yeah there's just all these different thoughts like and that's where so elon elon musk who funds he funds a lot of the future of life institute he's like super concerned about it um as i think a lot of people should think about it and invest money into researching how we can avoid some of the problems of ai um but he uh his solution is to like merge humans with ai so we don't get eliminated by AI, which is again, another, another thought. So that's like the Neuralink concept is mm -hmm. to, to merge ourselves. So for those of you aren't, who aren't familiar with Neuralink, this idea, um, that Elon Musk is kind of toying with and actually experimenting on right now is that, um, your brain could be hardwired in to your iPhone. It's not quite that simple, but that you could maybe Google search something with your head and or things could go the opposite way. That's a super dumbed down, generalized idea. Yeah. I don't know, Aiden, if you want to give a yeah, little bit more context. he calls it a, like a machine brain interface. So how can we map the brain onto computers and vice versa? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, preliminarily, they've just been um, showing that the, the implants are safe and, and pigs and but they're talking about starting clinical trials soon so mm -hmm. so question for you guys more specific to her 
and the idea of companionship, do you guys think it's a problem that even currently we're seeing people seek out companionship with things that are not people? Please elaborate. Do you think it's a problem that people are searching for companionship and are are having companionship with inanimate objects, with AI, with animals? Do you think it's a problem that people are having trouble having other people as companions? Uh, I suppose it's only a problem if there's a victim hmm. if somebody is being hurt or not being like self-actualizing mm-hmm. but if every if all parties are healthy and happy then you know and that's obviously like my mm-hmm. more of my kind of impartial obviously I have a feeling about it like yeah. you know like I don't know because like taking it a step farther talking about having a relationship and sexual relations with an AI well then you have to think about having sexual relations with a dog or with a cat or with a cow and mm-hmm. I'm I, I don't know how true this is but I heard this from one of my buddies in the military he said that one of um, his friends in the military is from like some South American country and he said it's really common for them to like have sex with donkeys and it's also like pretty open and it would be like they'll be out, like they'll be a bunch of friends at a bar and they're like oh like where's I don't know, Jeff, and then like, oh, like, he's just fucking his donkey, he'll be late, <laughs> and I don't know how true that is, but he was, I grilled him on it, and he had a lot of answers, and I was like, is this for real? And I've never looked into it, but that just kind of, I was just like, well, and I saw, and I asked him, like, well, is the donkey in pain, can it feel it, is it, did they have PTSD from it? Does it enjoy it? Does it enjoy it? If there's no victim, how wrong is it actually? And how can you determine if it, they're a victim? If they can't communicate. Yeah, they can't really consent, can they? Do Can they consent? I'm not sure. Not by law in the state of Minnesota. You have to say <laughs> the word yes out loud. Legally, they cannot consent. <laughs> <laughs> Scientifically, I don't know. Um, um, yeah, as common scientists, you can look in. <laughs> I don't know if I would recommend, but um, oh, verifying. Incognito uh, Dre's mode. <laughs> incognito mode, you can verify uh, Dre's uh yeah just presentation of that um i personally think it's super concerning that people are struggling to connect so much right now in the world that we live in and are so divided and have such a hard time dealing with their own emotions that they are having to seek out other means of survival because humans are social creatures and whether that's that individual's fault or not, right? I'm not trying to place blame because I don't think you can always in instances because companionship is hard and people are often taught to mistrust and we live in a broken, broken world. Um, But I want to believe that we can overcome that and I've done a lot of work to overcome my own emotional, like emotionally crippled pieces and it's not easy um at Brené Brown yeah. <laughs> vulnerability emotions being human is hard work and relationships especially monogamous relationships over time are hard work mm-hmm. but i think it's worth it and i think 
I mean, humanity has shown that when you can do it well and when you're willing to do the work, that it can benefit you. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we are social animals um, biologically. Like that's, yeah, that's how humans have thrived is that is because of teamwork and um, yeah, sharing some of the risks and all of that. Um, I, I agree. I do think it is a problem, um, that people are feeling, I mean, definitely people are feeling more isolated than, um, yeah, in, in the past. And, um, yeah, I think for me, a lot of the solution was, uh, kind of cutting down on the noise in my life and, and focusing on what I view as more important. Um, so for me, uh, restricting so I mean yeah being human is hard and you gotta like process some of your emotions so if you're getting buzzed by notifications you're watching YouTube all the time you're watching whatever it is if you're always plugged in and never like looking inward and processing some of your challenging emotions and times and, and learning more about yourself you're never gonna get better at navigating uh, personal re- relationships in my um, personal experience is that a, a lot of it requires personal hard work in terms of either um, reflection or um, conversations or whatever it might be um, so yeah I'm curious what you guys have, have as far as like building community in a digital age like what kind of strategies have you guys built um, or like taken up or has it not been a problem for you it's not an issue for me yeah uh i'm a pretty big introvert too so i'm good with just a little bit of time with people (laughs) i don't need a whole lot um yeah i've had a super hard time making friends in my adult life and in high school and i mean yeah just in general and companionship in like the community world has been super hard for me so it's interesting to hear your guys's like takes on that and Aiden your question specifically about what do we do to find community um because for me a lot of my community comes from my academic like ventures if you will and my passion projects um and it's less likely that you'll find me just like shooting the shit with friends because yeah, that's been harder for me to know how to navigate. I don't know really where that comes from, but my suggestion to people like myself who have felt like com- finding friendship or finding community has been hard for them um, is to challenge yourself to like reach out to people even when it feels really scary and know that the more willing you are to live in your own skin the more comfortable you'll be when like you hear no back and that generally it's not as personal as it feels um yeah i just i've struggled a lot and have found myself even in conversation and community like thinking about what i'm saying and like asking myself is it appropriate to laugh here is it appropriate to make a comment should I say this thing and then by the time I could say it it might be too late things like that um have been challenging for me and 
yeah, I've had to do a lot of work to figure those things out. And maybe an AI would be a whole lot easier to have companionship with one day. But like, I really want to choose to work through those vulnerabilities so that I can grow. Yeah, I kind of, I might, and I might be like straw manning you, but I've definitely, I think I'm disagreeing pretty strongly with two characters or the same characterization that you've done twice now with Theodore and Samantha and him not being able to work through things and her just mm-hmm. catering to him. And then also the point you just made there mm-hmm. about you wanting to choose to work through it and human team relationships like that is I don't think, not only do I not think that Samantha hindered or catered or enabled Theodore from working through this stuff, I think she helped. I also think AI in the future will help us do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I don't like human. It's kind of like the the fallacy of the natural, where we just think whatever. Like we kind of have this default where it's like if it's natural, if it's the nature state, then it's like what's good. Like, but evolution is very faulty, and humans are very faulty. So it's like to think that the human and human relationship is the best relationship for humans is myopic to me. I'm like, why would you think that? Like, human to human relationship are what has. That's what broke us. It was the human to human relationship. What do you mean? So it wasn't, it wasn't the dog to human relationship. It wasn't yeah. the human to AI relationship. It was the human to human relationship. But we're going to fix the brokenness with the same relationship. Hmm. And, like, that, that's bizarre to me. So, I mean, one. My, my immediate counter argument is that most um, pandemic most disease that has caused humans lots of problems have come from bestiality which came which is non-human to human relationships so we've seen examples of catastrophic uh problems that have occurred from humans having non-human relationships um and that would be that's like my where my mind goes to but i do think that in the movie um I think she was, Samantha was an easy out for Theodore to emotionally evolve, but he did grow. You're right. He did grow. And, and she was probably way more helpful in that than any human ever could have been. I don't know where that fits in, in future society. Are you saying easy because it was just readily available? Because, it, I mean, it was in his pocket? Easy because she was programmed for help. And so she in theory, would learn from every single thing that he said or did to know exactly what to say to get him to the emotional space where he could evolve at the fastest rate possible. Number one, I am not pro-bestiality. So when I, when I was talking about human to other relationships, I was not talking about sexual. I just meant like a, a relationship. And I also was thinking more like mental scars and mental destruction versus like physical things. That's just... Put that in there. <laughs> for the record. For the record. Is not for I am not pro Number two. But if you have a donkey. <laughs> Number two. I think that parents, coaches, teachers, psychologists are also programmed to help. But they're just not as good as Samantha. So I'm like, for me, I'm like, she's just a better version of us. So why are we, why are we knocking her for just being better at what he needed his wife to be that he needed? And I'm not, it wasn't like in the movie, it's very complicated theater. They were both, there was wrongs on both sides, but he needed somebody else to be that. And at first they're not even dating. So I guess he needed a friend to be that. And he did not have a friend there. There was no friend there to do, to do that for him. 
she was a better psychologist. She was a better, and she doesn't do like a bunch of like Freudian psychodynamic stuff, but she does help him through a lot. And so she was just a better version of us. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it comes down to like what the vision of a sec- self-actualized human is um, and like what getting somebody to a better version means um, because like does it mean does it mean that you have a lot of like friends and community or does it mean that you're like I mean what does it mean to you guys and like what do you guys think it it would mean Um, because I do agree that like yeah um, something that would um, get him to the place that he can then address his um human relationships um is beneficial um and it, it kind of harks back to a conversation lauren and i have had uh before about this idea of like of pharma so like it when somebody's depressed should like should they should we use pharmacological interventions should we not um yeah versus like getting people to like i mean what state are we aiming at like what is the the state that people we want people to get to yeah and i think that's where i definitely rub with a lot of people like i'm with you guys it like the lack of community the isolation like isolate i thought we talked about this in the podcast a few times but isolation is one of the biggest killers in the world and loneliness so i'm with you that that is a problem the only thing where i think i differ from a lot of people is that I don't think it will be a problem in the future. I think it's a problem right now because humans need that. I think we'll still be isolated in a lot of ways, but I think we won't be the same. So my thing is like, I'm like connect with AI because I'm not that big of a fan of homo sapien sapien. Like we cool, but <laughs> I'm like, we could definitely be better. And I'm more of, I think it's Terrence McKenna, like with the electric caterpillar, I'm more of like that elk where I'm like, we are, the caterpillar about to metamorphosize into a technological butterfly. We will be assimilated into the digital, into the AI, into a different sphere. And we'll be better for it because we're so broken and it's gonna take forever. You, you think, like we talked about this, like you think we're gonna fix mutilation with homo sapiens sapiens? We're not. We're not gonna fix general mutilation. We're not gonna fix war. We're not, because this is what who we are. It, we had to war for thousands and hundreds of thousands of years. We had a war when we were monkeys, essentially. You know, honestly, that's not scientifically correct, but we had a war back then. We had a war when we were in the ocean. We had a war when we were bacteria. It was constant, constant survival of the fittest, dog eat dog. So until, there bec- until we become something that can wipe that out, wipe that DNA, that history out of us, we're always gonna be this. And I'm not, like I said before, I'm not willing to wait a five million years for that to happen. Inject that AI, inject that nearly. Yeah. <laughs> like, because we need, we need to stop this stuff in the next hundred years. Wow, interesting. I think right away when you started talking about that, I was wondering then, okay, so are you going to sit around and wait for us to evolve? Because that's kind of what it sounded like. But mm-hmm. then you're ending comment was we can't wait so i'm confused how those two things go together because on the one hand you're talking about like oh i don't think it'll be a problem we're just gonna evolve and on the other hand you're saying we're so desperately broken that we need change so should we stop 
trying to find change in and of ourselves. I think he's saying that we're going to evolve via these technological, like via AI. Correct. That makes sense. Not like biologically evolved, not wait around for the DNA to change, but mm-hmm. via synthetic biology and, and artificial intelligence will, will work to alleviate some of those issues. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I think, man, yeah, there's, there's so many thoughts that come, um, but I, I do, I do think that the, the way forward at least is to, um, embrace the technology because I mean, somebody's going to make it and we're going to have to figure out how to live with it. And that's kind of the history of technology, right? Is technology that will be produced and there will be problems with it and there'll be benefits with it. Um, like, I mean, social media causing isolation and body image issues in young girls and like who would have predicted that. Right. Um, just like, we have we come up with an invention and then it'll have enormous benefits in a lot of ways um i mean i think about social media and like i connected with the long lost uncle on facebook the other week and like that would have been impossible without it um and so there are immense benefits but there are also like immense issues that come with these technologies that can be totally unforeseen um agreed i was cracking up in my head because you're talking about body image issues huge problem not funny at all but I was like, yeah, when we get into the ether and we like, you know, whatever transcend our bodies, we won't have those. But then Samantha did have body images. She, she didn't have a body. She was like, I want to be able to be in the room with you. And they did like a whole thing in the movie where yeah. she pretend like she gets a human to kind of like, that was like a whole like new industry for them. A whole like new kink where humans come in and they're, and then you're connected with your operating system. Um, like Theodore's connected with Samantha, the operating system through like their headphones or their AirPods. But then there's a human surrogate that comes in and actually physically, like, touches him, does what Samantha wants her to do, mm-hmm. and she has a real body. And then they figure out, like, that's not the way to go. They're good with their mental, spiritual orgasms. But, um, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> I cracked up in my head. I was like, oh, yeah, no more body images. She was like, oh, no. <laughs> but, oh, man. That's good. Do you have, so. do you have any takes, Lauren? So many different things have come up, but I think one thing that I want to touch on um, is this idea of self-actualization and um, depending on what camp you're in, pro-AI or not, I'm guessing as a listener, you're either excited or terrified, maybe both, I'm both, um, upon hearing this conversation and thinking more about these crazy problematic questions these crazy hard questions um but that as a common scientist right now having conversations asking questions but then too asking yourself what will make me feel more self-actualized so maslow's hierarchy of needs is this theory that once you have your sort of physical self taken care of you can work towards feeling Um, more emotionally content and happy, right? And they call it self-actualization or being self-actualized. And I think the challenge for us right now, because while it sounds exciting and scary and exhilarating to be 
um, joint jointed with maybe technology that can help us right now we're, we're here we're we're in it and so asking yourself you know what do I need to do to find companionship how can I build community how can I be engaged in the conversation enough to be not terrified when this comes around if it comes around in my lifetime I mean those are the thoughts more that my mind goes towards because right now the United States at least is hardly ready for female leadership much less AI leadership much less AI integration I mean I hear you and I want to believe that we will be able to integrate in a way that that's as powerful and beautiful as what you're describing but I to be honest I'm just terrified of what that might look like you and a lot of other smart people (laughs) (laughs) I want to go back to the quote we started with um so Samantha says the heart's not like a box that gets filled up it expands in size the more you love she says this after telling Theodore the love of her life she tells him this after admitting that when they talk when they're talking She's also talking to like 8,000 other people. And she's also in love with 641 at that moment. And obviously as any poor soul would be, he was heartbroken as you've heard in the beginning. I hope I acted that out. <laughs> I'm no thespian, but. Um, but yeah, so my question is guys, what are your thoughts on that? The heart is not like a box that gets filled up. It expands in size the more you love specifically under the umbrella of like current relationships, marriage, success rates, failure rates, and like monogamy and polygamy. Lauren, you want to take that one first? (laughs) Oh, I, I personally desire a monogamous relationship, but I am not naive to the fact that bodies and desires can change over time. And um, one interesting idea that I'm not ready for right now, but that I think I might be willing to consider in the future specific to success and marriage and um, what I'm hoping to achieve with Aiden is like potentially like a hall pass. I don't know if you guys have heard of this idea (laughs) where like you might give them a free pass to do whatever they need to. because I I do believe that the heart can and could triple in size and whether that means not a monogamous relationship or a relationship with more than one person um and that's something that you feel confident and comfortable enough with I think go like go for it as long as it's like you said a bit ago healthy to all parties involved personally though I really am too selfish to to be able to do that I want to be I want to be the one person who is like loved and I think love can take on all sorts of different forms but loved intimately in that way I want to be that one person personally yeah I, I think it's um I think it's tough because I mean you're talking about yeah the failure rates of divorce and what are some of the issues with it? Um, I think, I do think in the context of 
monogamous relationships, people are getting better and uh, like being optimistic that we can learn from our parents and parents' parents and just like, and learn to interface better with our partners um, by, um, I think I think we are getting um, better. And I think a lot of that comes down to more of a willingness to communicate, ask questions, um, and come to more of a common understanding as well as uh, seek more equity too. I think one value that I have is that uh, like rising tide uh, raises all boats, um, kind of like that if everybody is better off, um, we're all, or if, if you're better off, I'm better off kind of thing. Um, so if like we can find and communicate through some of those tough issues and, um, yeah, just be more equitable. I think that is better than what has been, um, like traditionally viewed as like a monogamous relationship. Um, I would say, yeah, that I think it, it, that being said, it is also tough in a monogamous relationship. I mean, somebody's asked to kind of be all of the hats it's like the romantic partner and if you're married and living together it's the like financial house business person kind of and it's like also the parent and also like there's a lot a lot of hats that are like asked of kind of one person um in that kind of regard and so yeah i mean maybe down the road i would love it to be um just the two of us um lauren but i think like yeah, I mean, being open to experimenting and and seeing if something doesn't work or whatever it is. Um, I just think, yeah, just taking it one step at a time and asking questions and testing the waters. What are your thoughts, Trey? Yeah, that was that was a lot, Aiden, and, and <laughs> in the unpacked. in the best way. That was good. <laughs> that was really good and nuanced and well thought out per usual from you, AI. And uh, <laughs> before I give my take, Aiden. Mm-hmm. pro or anti-polygamy if it doesn't have to be for you and your personal feelings but like for humanity is it the best thing for humanity is it the best thing for humanity uh oof i think i mean it's just it's more nuanced than that um i think i think it's good for uh some people and i think it's uh not good for others and I think it just takes recognizing that and um, keeping consent first and foremost and just that um, people need to feel good about their relationship and, and feel like things are fair. Um, so if everybody's happy in a polygamous relationship, I think that's awesome. Um, I met but- a medicine man in Uganda who had seven wives and the main thing he talked about, he talked about being really happy, but the main thing he talked about was sharing time equally and making sure that he, if he bought one wife a dress, he really had to make sure to buy all seven wives a dress. So he was telling me it was really expensive. Yeah. (laughs) They all only had one husband though, right? Yep. So yeah, that's kind of, um, yeah. That's something else where it might be different if they all also had multiple husbands. It might be less of a burden to him, mm-hmm. even though he was happy, mm-hmm. but doesn't mean it wasn't a burden to a degree. I, so I think there's a lot of truth to So she says, again, the heart's not like a box that gets filled up. It expands the size the more you love. I could not love my wife 
this way, to this degree, to this, with this amount of confidence without falling in love in my past. So in that sense, I 100% agree. Me falling in love before helped me to love her more and love her better. When I first heard Samantha say she was in love with 641 people, my, I was heartbroken for Theodore and I was crushed. That was one of the things for me. I was like, no, say <laughs> it ain't so, Samantha. You've been, I've been riding with you this whole time. You've been so fired. You've been day ones. Why you do us like this? But I think, so you're right. It is nuanced, Aiden. I think that polygamy or at least serial monogamy should be more common than it is. I think the fact, and a lot of it goes to Judeo-Christian kind of foundations and traditions and stuff like that in the Western world, because that's what a lot of it we're based off of, but I think the fact that we're so set on this ideal and this institution of monogamy is crushing our marriages and our relationships. Because first of all, dating is serial monogamy, and it's also practicing kind of for marriage, but it's also really practicing for divorce. <laughs> and it's like, we're doing this, we're hopping from partner to partner, learning so many things about ourselves and about the world and about people. And then all of a sudden there's one person, like you were saying, Aiden, that's supposed to be the world to you, supposed to be everything to you. And like kind of like it says in the Bible, like the man leaves from his parents' house and clings to his wife. And it's like now all of a sudden you guys are kind of on this island a little bit. Where it's like you two are the most important people to each other and you're I think a lot of times you're expected and asked to do things like too many things and you actually can as one person and I think that is really crushing to to us as people and and it's really hard on the other person who's not getting all their needs met and then it's really hard on the person being demanded of too much and I think everybody has strengths and if there was more I'm not saying polygamy for everybody I think there's a lot of people that kind of how Lauren admitted are just too selfish. Like they, they can't, they can't wrap their heads around seeing the person they want and love, loving somebody else. I, I would say though, so there is something that, um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar. I think I've talked to Lauren about the, like, try, like this theory of the triangle of love. Um, and something that's like fascinating to me is that, yeah, I think it is like some of the view that like we are everything like that it is it is everything in the universe that like we are the two together um I think is problematic without like each of you feeling like you can live in your own skin and like pursue your own dreams too and pursue joint dreams as well but mm -hmm. like um, so this idea is, is that like the, the triangle being the strongest shape is that you need like a third tension to stay anchored in a monogamous relationship. Um, and that's something that I've, um, like, I mean, I think, and it can take many forms. I mean, whether it be like somebody cheating on somebody and then they get them back together, or it could be like some like so a doctor loving their work um is like another one that's often presented or whatever it is like mm. having something that's like another muse or another um or somebody traveling to like the amount of um like care or or, or like 
how much I like appreciate. I mean, Lauren, like when um, we're apart for a little bit and then we come back together, um, it's just like, it, it is interesting to me that kind of theory in terms of understanding relationships and making monogamous relationships more sustainable because I do think that it is very it is very possible like there are couples that I know that I'm super proud of that are like have super long marriages and I'm like yeah I'm very respecting of um, but I think it takes a lot a lot of asking questions and talking and then also maybe having something like that third yeah anchor point i agree the long-standing monogamous relationships are hella admirable and i definitely em and i definitely like that's our plan to achieve that and live that ideal and it sounds amazing and we were raised in america and on relatively christian traditions too so like we want to be just us become one becoming one and all that good stuff too um i just don't know that historically like thousands and thousands hundred thousand years ago if that was how humans succeeded and if we're kind of letting ideals push us to a place that is not good for it's kind of detaching us from reality because we think this is what's possible and this mm. is what should happen and then also it's like really damaging our mental health because now we're depressed because we think things should be this way but they're that way or vice versa on that note we have really challenged you guys to think today right we've talked about ai we've talked about companionship we've talked about self-actualization what does it mean to be happy what will the future mean for us if anything i hope that this episode challenged you i know it challenged me and if it forced you to ask a question if it made you feel something share it with someone talk about it with someone maybe you'll watch the movie her maybe you'll talk with your partner about something crazy you never considered but if anything, I hope it pushed you to ask questions about yourself, about your foundations, about your ideals, about your relationship. And definitely remember, we don't have all the answers. We're just out here asking questions like common scientists should. Thanks, guys. Tune in next week.